Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, Hawk fans. Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I'm your host, Colin Cole. And of course, we have another awesome show to bring to you today. Of course, I'm, we're going to be talking the Northwestern Wildcats, a little bit of game recap. But of course, just like I do with every show, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my resident guest host, two-time All-Big Ten, three-year starter at offensive tackle, luxury real estate mogul up in Chicago. I'm going to come up with something else. I don't know. Maybe, how about this? Avid outdoorsman. I think that's probably another title that's uh, oh, wow. avid outdoorsman. Mr. David Porter, thank you for joining the show, sir. Thank you, man. It was always a pleasure to be on this uh, on the show, um, especially after a victory. I was good. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, those uh, those coming on after wins are definitely you know uh, it, it's much uh, much easier to do so. It's much easier to do so, uh, but you know it's also you know a learning opportunity when you come out after after those L's. But uh, that's not the case today. David, we got to we get a chance to jump into an Iowa victory. So, David, it started out a bit like all the games this season, slowly offensively. Although we had a, a Tyler Goodson sighting early, uh, it was uh, unfortunately a, a, a two-for-four performance from Spencer Petrus that resulted in him being replaced by young Alex Padilla. And Padilla looked really, really good. Yeah, Padilla brought some balance to the team. I mean, every once in a while, we've talked about this before, you kind of just need a spark. And he brought something back to the team. I, I know Spencer is, um, he's injured. That's what we're, what we're being told. He's hurt. So I, I believe for the next game, uh, he's not even on the depth chart, right? But Alex came in and he performed really well. He had, seemed to have pretty good uh, command of the offense. And, you know, when we were able to spread the ball out, running lanes opened up. And it's not like he was completing every pass. It's just a threat of it. And now that helped out a lot. We saw our running game start to take off. Uh, we had, I believe, over 100 yards rushing in the first half. Now, this is a, the offense scored in the first quarter. It was toward the end of the first quarter, but they scored in the first quarter. We scored again in the second quarter. Right? We, we came out and, and we started to, you know, we started a little slow, as you said. We started to get our footing on earth. It started to look kind of like a, you know, normal offices. I'm used to seeing it in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, Iowa's offense obviously had a, they they were injected with a bit of a jolt of energy with uh, with Padilla coming under center. Um, the first two drives he led actually resulted in touchdowns, giving the Hawkeyes as many points in this game against Northwestern as they had in both games uh, versus Purdue and Wisconsin, which were obviously losses. Uh, Padilla showed what he could do on his feet as well, man. He's uh, he's got a bit of a, a knack to get out of, of uh, those those uh, heated situations. He rolled out to his right a few times, especially after that play action, and uh, made a couple plays, particularly to Keegan Johnson uh, in the second quarter. Man, he's uh, he he really showed to have a command of the offense that uh, was looking for that we were really looking for throughout the season. Um, he had no pressure, had no problems using his feet 
and he climbed in the pocket quite quite a bit well, um, which was which was I don't say surprising, but he showed that he's got uh, he not far removed from from high school days, and uh, he he was ready for the opportunity when it presented himself. And yeah, man, that, that young man had himself a day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He was climbing that pocket. He showed a lot of pocket presence and awareness that a young man at that age, you don't, like you say, he's just out of high school. I'm not necessarily expecting him to do that kind of stuff, right? I'm expecting him to see, see him doing, you know, those young men, young uh, quarterback mistakes. He didn't make too many of those. He's climbing the pocket, the pressure, he's feeling it. He's getting out, he's rolling, he's using his athleticism. You know, he's not that traditional pocket uh, passer like, a, like Spencer is. That, that's what Spencer is. Our offensive line may not be the best fit for that right now. You know, we're still young there. We're, we're still not quite in our technique, uh, feeling as confident in our technique as I would like us to be. But, you know, this Alex Padilla kid, he just, he, he has it. You know, it's that swagger we were talking about on the defense. I think he's bringing some of that to the offensive side. I mean, I started to see, I was counting the uh, number of drives we had. We have 14 drives, you know, and you start to see the consistency of the drive and the timing of the drives. Right. The drives that we're putting together were the offense is staying on the field longer. Now, that makes a big difference because we were talking about this. The defense has been taking a lot of they've been taking a lot of plays. And we need that offense to stay on the field to give our defense time to recuperate. But as I'm looking through the whole box box score, like it's we have sustained drives. This is one of the few times of the year that we dominate the time of possession. It was great to see. Yeah, man. It was great to see it. Uh, Alex Padilla went 18 for 28, 172 yards. He did not get into the end zone via the pass, but he also did not turn the ball over via the pass either. The run game we talked about uh, definitely has shown some improvement, uh, particularly after what we've seen over the last few weeks. Uh, Mr. Goodson had himself a day rushing the ball 21 times for 141 yards and got himself in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, young Gavin Williams, that young man, uh, he's, a, he's a, I believe, a young redshirt freshman. He's uh, he's definitely taking advantage of his opportunities, rushing the ball 10 times for 41 yards. And uh, we also saw Arlen Bruce get in the end zone with the with the fly sweep. That was that was another impressive play by that, that young man. He's definitely shown that he's he is absolutely a top-notch type of a playmaker for for the Hawks and, and can't forget Keegan Johnson. He's also a young receiver who is over and over made play after play. And you know, the awesome part about him, he actually led the receiving core with five catches for 68 total yards. And he's uh, he's definitely, I think uh, the youth kind of played to his favor uh, because I think Alex definitely probably gets the opportunity to throw the ball to him a little bit more than he had some of the older guys like uh, Nico and uh, and Tyrone, but uh, he also was able to connect with some of those guys. You know, it's uh, it's impressive, man. He, he was able to connect with all – he actually connected with eight receivers on the day, which, you know, that just shows he spread the ball around pretty effectively, you know. And so it's interesting that this offense definitely found themselves another gear and, and found themselves to be more dynamic uh, once Alex was able to enter the game. And, you know – very much so balanced, very much so balanced. You got between Russian and Basic. So uh, very impressed with the Hawks win, you know, all things considered. Um, I think I mentioned Tyler Goodson with that 141 yards, man. How impressed are you with the output of the offensive line 
uh, being able to come back after a couple of weeks that has been a little bit off and to be able to come back and rush for 185 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. How does that, how does that help build confidence in this offense uh, and their rushing attack moving forward? It's, it's such an important thing for the offensive line to be able to establish themselves running the ball, <clears throat> especially when you're young. Um, you know, our pass blocking techniques aren't uh, spectacular right now. And it's not because of they don't have the ability. It's literally just a lack of confidence, what I'm seeing. They're bailing from the technique. So to be able to establish that run and get your run fits in there and, and start to impose your will, it makes it a little bit easier to pass block. And then now you start showing that balance. Like we were talking about earlier, the sustained drives that we're starting to see more of, where we're starting to see these elongated drives, that's because we're able to spread the offense around, right? The offensive line's getting their fits in, they're getting their confidence in. Getting the run established, especially with the kind of ball that we play and the defense that we have, is huge. That is huge. Our offensive line being able to step up and make some holes there so that, you know, we can get the ball into our fast movers that Tyler Goodson and get him where he has a breakaway 41-yard run, right? Get him where he has a 13-yard run, a rush for a touchdown. Right? That's, those are big deals, and it takes pressure off of everybody. When that offensive line does that, it takes pressure off of everyone. So what I saw was a step in the right direction. We're going in the right direction there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an offensive line in Iowa. We're going to get better. That's just how it goes. I mean, Kirk's been one of the top offensive line coaches in the country for a long time. He's not going to let us go anywhere. No question. No question. You know, and I, and I think that uh, as you give a guy an opportunity for the first time and, and Alex, you really just you, you kind of sit back as a spectator like I am now and see how much they're willing to kind of open up the playbook because as we saw in that game, Northwestern was able to come back and rally and put themselves in the position to, uh, you know, come out with a win. They had opportunity had it not been for the late interception um, by Belton. But we got to consider uh, one of the main things that we talked about is some of the conservativeness um, of the play calling. Uh, and this is what I want to make mention to. Iowa's play calling was much more conservative after the intermission, uh, much more than you would expect. I mean, we were only up 14 to nothing. It was way, it was very much more so conservative, much more than you would expect for a team that you, you mean, you know, again, 14 point lead, not a massive, not a massive lead, but uh, the Hawks had 19 rushes, rushing attempts and only, and only 10 passing attempts uh, after halftime. Uh, all things considered, Padilla actually completed six of those 10 attempts but uh, really did not really keep the foot on the, on the throttle, so to speak, offensively to try to force Northwestern to, or uh, yeah, have to play from a, a huge lead or um, more so not uh, putting Alex in a position where he can, you know, have a mistake or something of that nature. What are your thoughts in the, in the, in the play calling kind of being more so conservative and heavy, heavy run you know, as opposed to really putting the ball in the air and, and giving Alex the opportunity in the second half to throw the ball. Well, we had a 14-point lead, right? And, you know, we're going into half, 14-3, and we're ahead. First half, we're, we're crushing them, 14-3. So coming out of the half, you know, we're, it's time to finish strong, put together that complete game we've been talking about the whole year. And Northwestern 
won the second half. We scored three points, a field goal, and they scored nine. It would have been 10, maybe even 11 had they converted that uh, two-point conversion. But in the second half, um, they won. They won the second half of the game. The numbers just are what they are. It was 14-3 in the first half, the second half, it was three to nine. You know, Northwestern, we know how they are. They can score in a heartbeat. They are really good at what they do. Uh, they're well coached and they're smart, intelligent, and it's and it's Big Ten football. Everybody's good out there. So for us to take our foot off the gas, you know, that's tough for me to say uh, that's a great thing. It's not. You know, keep doing what we're doing. Right? If it's working, don't stop doing it. And why are we taking our foot off the gas at all? I, I just that doesn't make sense for us. I mean, that's not uh, to me. I don't. That just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something you got to be concerned about. I mean, again, with uh, with that being the fourth of four games moving forward for the rest of the season, now obviously three games left. The Hawks now sitting at seven and two. Um, I mean, got to definitely consider being in a position to gain the cell, gain them, gain the momentum going into hopefully the stretch and opportunity to get into. Uh, the Big Ten championship game because there's still an opportunity there. Still got to keep our eyes focused there. Defensively, another stellar performance by this group up front, man. I was uh, I was definitely uh, impressed. I'm, I'm I'm happy to see these guys fly around. Um, I saw Van Ness got himself a sack. Joe Evans got himself a sack. Noah Shannon got himself a sack. So three sacks on the on the field for those guys. Five TFLs for those guys, and of course. We already know about the uh, the two interceptions contributed by Mr. Belton, which were two tremendous, two tremendous plays. Um, what did you see from the defense, real quick, that uh, gives you gives you confidence moving forward that this group can get it done, uh, especially as it pertains to down the stretch against some of the more tougher opponents in the West, considering Minnesota uh, coming up here pretty soon. Well, you you know how I feel about our defense. Those guys are amazing. They're actually really special. <clears throat> and choking up over it, yeah, just a little bit. I, I, oh, good. The defense is really they're really special. They are. I, I like them a lot. The, the secondary, they're ball hawks, and they're getting back to their ball hawking ways. It's like thank you. You know, they step up at the end of the game to get that interception and, and actually seal the game for us. You know, it, it's the defense stepped up and they held that Wisconsin uh, offense to 12 points. You know, they had two field goals leading to the fourth quarter for the whole game. That's what that defense did, mm-hmm. right? That's a really good defense. They had one play that just didn't look great, but it, it for the rest of the game, like I was talking about earlier, they were fresh and they looked really good. They looked sharp. They looked really sharp. Um, I think this may be our first game with multiple sacks like this, All right? We're starting to shoot our hands up there, get shed the blocker, all the good stuff. And, you know, Dane Belton, that secondary, the Legion of Boom, I, I want to say is back, but they're starting to look like their, own, their old selves again. That was really nice to see. Let me I'm sure that I, I, I would be remiss to not mention Jamari Harris's interception in the end zone that was caused oh, yeah. 
Uh, really, it was caused by the quarterback having to kind of throw it up because he was under pressure. The D-line, again, getting after it with a key uh, blitz call from Phil Parker. So a huge, huge uh, defensive performance. You know, again, we talk about the three takeaways. We talk about the three sacks. Huge, huge performance. There are a couple areas that we do have to consider, you know, a couple areas of concern, like we talked about. Conservative mm-hmm. uh, a little bit on um, the play calling, but then – we also had the first time of this season a block punt right up the middle. Uh, the protection kind of let the guy go right up the middle, and uh, he was able to connect and 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 got the block punt. Man, I was I was shocked to see that happen. Jeez. Well, our special teams, like with the um, our kicking game, has been a bright spot for us, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know we've had some uh, some miscues here and there, and. You know, it it just is the first time we're seeing actually in a punting. This is the first time we're seeing the punting game. So that that's to me, like I said, I'm with you as well. That's shocking. You know, we we have one of the best punters in the country, and we have one of the best place kickers uh, in the country as well too. Mm-hmm. I think our special teams are special. I'm still waiting for uh, Charlie Jones to break one. You know, it, it, he's due. He is definitely due. But for us to have. Um, and those are really just, I'm, I'm going to call them what it is, is a mental mistake, right? So I misidentify who their, uh, who their blocking assignment is. That, that's just not what, we norm, what I'm normally uh, seeing out of Iowa. So for us, it's little things like that. Once we get into bigger games with opponent that are going to, like you said, down the, down the road, they're tougher. Um, we may not be able to recover from those kind of things, right? These players out there, these other teams, they're all watching this stuff too. And they're going to look at these other teams as, okay, how do they do that? And then they're going to try to replicate that. And if we don't get it fixed, it's just like coming out of the bye week. If we don't address some of these, these opportunities for us to get better, the other teams are going to take advantage of it. I said, our, our special teams, they weren't perfect, but they were really good. And they have been good all year. That was just a little, a little surprising. Yeah, it, it was definitely surprising. Caleb Shudak uh, connected on his field goal, made a made a spectacular play doing that. Um, you know, it was it was uh, unfortunate to have happen. However, definitely recovered and didn't uh, allow for that to dictate the game. It did got to make mention to uh, Northwestern's Evan Hall. I mean, that young man had a feast of a game, 100 total yards, and that one receiving touchdown. You, you made mention to how he was able to kind of. Uh, get a, get a maneuver through that uh, Hawkeye defense. We had a couple guys that were in position to make a play on him, but weren't unable to do so. Um, so there's some areas still to shore up, um, but uh, yeah, spectacular, spectacular uh, play by that young man. I'd be remiss to not uh, to not bring that up. Yeah. So moving forward, I mean, the Hawks have three games down the stretch, and what are your thoughts? Well, well before before we even jump into that, there's one. One thing I, I got to bring up about uh, last Saturday, and I know we we all saw it. It was kind of a, it was interesting because we had no idea. At least I had no idea what was going on. It's close to the close to the end of the second half. I mean, I'm sorry, second quarter, uh, close to the end of it, near near nearing halftime. Nine protesters went onto the field, David, during the first half, and displayed signs that said, "Stop funding the war on Palestine." Abolish NUPD, invest in Black lives, divest from death, and more. Um, what, I mean, some students took the opportunity 
while they had the center stage. And it wasn't even like a, a deal like where anybody rushed them to get them off the field. Like it, they, they were out there for a little while, man. And I think they, they got their message across, I think. Uh, I believe they did too. Hey, we're talking about it. I uh, talked to a couple of Hawks after the game. They were talking about it too. Um, it's still Chicago. This is um, th that's important to people, and they they don't forget much. You know, there's a lot that's been going on in the last God last year. I'm going to call that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. But there's been a lot that's been going on, and we've been talking about a lot of stuff uh, in America and across the world. So that's just an amalgamation of everything that's going on. Like these kids, they're, we're calling council culture. We want to call it. Uh, they see things differently, and they're taking action. Things are not just going to go away. No, and being on, being that this is college, uh, these students definitely have a different perspective and a different uh, energy and the ability to, to kind of get out there and do some of the things that, uh, that they feel confident in doing so, as well as, you know, things that are obviously near and dear to their heart. So, my hats off to those those young people that uh, took a risk and, and went out there and protested peacefully and uh, got their point across. It was it's good to know that uh, things like that can happen in today's day and age. Bring a message and bring bring some notoriety to whatever thing or things uh, are of importance. And so so that we as a society can see them, you know, as a little break uh, from our norm of football. You know, some folks may be pissed off about something of that nature. But for me, it's like, well, these young people, they're empowered to do something of this nature and, you know, feel good about the, the environment and the stage that, uh, that they have to be able to do so. So I tip my hat to those young people. Anyways, moving on, moving on again. Hawks have three more games uh, left in the season before bowl season starts. Uh, this upcoming Saturday, they'll be playing host to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And uh, we know that it's not going to be an easy game. I mean, these these Golden Gophers, even though they lost a nail ladder, I, I can't figure them. I can't figure out this Illinois team. Honestly, I can't figure them out. Actually, they went up there to Minnesota and they beat them fourteen to six. And I've seen them get demolished by the likes of Nebraska. I don't. I don't quite understand them. But um, they were able to get up there to uh, to Minnesota and, and get come out of uh, Minneapolis with a win of fourteen to six. So. Uh, Minnesota is going to definitely be hunkered down coming into Iowa City on Saturday to play that game, kicking off at 2.30. Uh, so, David, quick, uh, just quickly, what are your thoughts with the Golden Gophers team and uh, some of the things that they may bring to the table against the Hawkeyes? Um, <clears throat> I, put you on, I put you on the spot. You put me on the spot just a little bit. It's okay. It's all right. I'm okay with that. Minnesota is a running team. Right, they're they're going to have a great running game, um, which should play to our strengths, which is our defense, our defensive line, our, our front guys. Um, we're really good against the run, right? So I do expect Minnesota to come in, try to establish a run, and mix in some passing too. But when we talk about the Big Ten as a whole, it's the Big Ten, right? Michigan State lost to Purdue too this past weekend, right? That's, it just happens in the Big Ten. Everybody can get it at any weekend. Every Saturday, you have to show up. And if you're not prepared, and we can speak from experience, you'll get God. You will lose. 
right? I'm, I'm very happy with our victory. I'm gonna go back a little bit. I'm very happy that we won. I wish that we had put together a complete game. Uh, we're number 22 Northwest. We had just dropped down to 22. I wish we had come out and really like established like a dominance. That just didn't happen. It's because Northwestern's good and we're in Big Ten play. All right. The 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 differentiation in, in levels of, of ability, especially in the Big Ten, there isn't, I can't say there's a huge separation once you get past like the top two guys. Ohio State, we know how they are. Michigan, they're pretty good all the time, always. You know, Michigan State, they're usually pretty good, but they got beat by Purdue. And we always know we have troubles with Purdue. We have troubles with Northwestern. It doesn't matter what our rankings are. That's what it is in college football. The parity is just there every Saturday. There is no, you know, hey, mail it in, we're good to go. That just doesn't happen. So I expect North Minnesota game to be just like all the other games. It's going to be hard fought. We're going to have to go out there and prove it, like we have to do it every Saturday. And if we're not ready, if we don't start fast and put together a complete game, we're going to have a very good opportunity to lose, which I don't want to see this team do. Like I said, from the beginning, this is a really special team. They have a lot of special players. It's time for us to step up and, you know, meld together. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's just like any other week. This, uh, there's always an opportunity to win, but there's always an opportunity to lose. This team coming off of a huge win uh, up there in uh, Evanston, it's, uh, you know, it sets them up great moving down the stretch. But uh, this, this Minnesota Golden Gophers team, and let's not forget Floyd. I mean, we want to get Floyd back, right? That's, that's probably the bigger portion of what matters the most here. We got to definitely do what needs to be done so we can get Floyd back in the building. So with that, we'll do a bit more game cap. I mean, pregame, obviously, later on in the week as we talk about those Golden Gophers of Minnesota. Uh, but uh, let's bask in this win a little bit and be thankful that uh, we can stop that two-game skid where it's at and get that, get back on the right side of the win column and keep the, keep the momentum going. So... Uh, with that, I'm Colin Cole. Thank you for joining me and David Porter on Hawk Talk. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, once again, God bless and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.